Welcome to the Word of Life podcast, the sermon audio from Word of Life Church in Lesseur, Minnesota. Thank you for listening, and may you be blessed by this word of grace for you today. Our call to worship today comes from Psalm 119. It's a long one. No, I'm not going to read all of Psalm 119. That would be interesting. But, because there's 176 verses in Psalm 119. Our call to worship today, Psalm 119, starting in verse 174, and reading in Jesus' name. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you, and let your rules help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Today, as we um, gather together with the Lord and with each other to worship him, these are the verses that lead us in worship. My hope, my prayer, is that we would long for the Lord in worship, long for his salvation. Um, on, in this world, there's going to be many troubles. But we worship a risen Savior. And if he can conquer death on a cross and conquer the grave, pretty sure he can handle coronavirus. Let's worship the Lord together. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. He shall return in robes of white, the blazing sun shall pierce the God, there is so much fear and anxiety right now. 
And, and I'll confess to you, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't get all of it. I really don't. But you know each and every person. They are your creation and you love them. You know their, their needs. They know, you know whether or not they're carrying around a virus. You know their hearts and their minds. You know if they're anxious. You know if they are living in fear. And you love them. And Lord, even right now, there's a, some of our, our loved ones in our family who, who are suffering. Chris's dad is in the hospital um, because of pneumonia. And uh, we're praising you, Lord, because he's taking a turn for the better. We got a call from Bev, and, and, and Bev is, isn't feeling well. And, um, and so we lift her up to you. Lord, uh, we, don't, we don't even know everybody and, and everybody's needs, but you do. So we ask you, Lord God, you are loving and compassionate. Will you draw near to your people? Draw near to people who, who need to hear you, who need to hear the, the reassurance that they are loved even in the midst of chaos. So no matter what's happening, Lord, we just pray that you would draw near. Lord, as we worship you, it is all about you. It's tempting because... Oftentimes, we are so tempted to make it about us, but it is all about you, Lord God, and what you've done for us. So we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your death for us on the cross and the salvation that you freely give as a gift, your righteousness, in exchange for our sin and unworthiness. We offer you our our praise. We sing your praise. We pray your praise. We think it and, and we focus on you. As we, as we read your word, we worship you. As we pray, we worship you. As we drop our offerings on the way out, we worship you, Lord God. And we pray that you would, that you would mobilize your church. That you would mobilize your church to, to be a force that loves our neighbors. Pray, Lord God, that you would wash away fear and encourage us. It's in your name we pray. Lord Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Your name, your name is victory. I was heading home from Mexico um, for my daughter's wedding, which was just awesome. Thank you for praying for us as we uh, as we celebrated Becca's uh, Becca's wedding. Super fun, and um, you know, as we we're as we we're heading home, it was um, it was amazing to see how many um, you know face masks were were in the airport, and, and you know, and and how much 
was, was changing in the process of, of just a, being gone for a week. And, um, and I'll be honest with you, I was super excited when, uh, when I was looking up. I was like, man, I wonder if I need to change my message for today or something like that. And I looked at the plan um, and, and all the scripture passages that I already sent you know, to Sue. And, and I was like, no. Nah. I think God had this one planned out just fine because the message that was all planned out was the Good Samaritan. And I said, okay, I think that'll preach today. No problem. Um, and so, you know, even as, as, um, as things are going with, with the coronavirus and, uh, and all the concerns and the fear and things like that, as, um, as, Heidi, as we came home, Heidi went uh, grocery shopping and, um, and she, saw, she saw a woman clutching her bundle of toilet paper, you know, too afraid to put it into the basket, you know, in fear that somebody would steal it right out of the shopping cart, you know. Um, and, and then you, you hear about two brothers in Tennessee who will go on a road trip and bought over 17,000 bottles of hand sanitizer and then tried selling them all online at, uh, wow. Somewhat inflated prices. In their words, man's got to make a living. <laughs> okay. In, uh, in the wake of uh, toilet paper outages and my temptation to finally buy a bidet. Um, <laughs> problem solved is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, uh, it, 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 you know, and as, as there's so much worry and so much concern happening, um, it's really important for us to hear a message of grace and peace, a message of love and not panic. And so um, I'm just excited to get to share God's word with you today. If you, uh, if you have your Bibles, our message for today comes from Luke. Chapter 10, starting in verse 25, and reading in Jesus' name, because it's God's word, not mine. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law, and how do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who's my neighbor? Jesus replied, and I love this story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jer Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, 
pouring oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay when I come back. Which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Here ends the reading of God's word. Now, I am not a lawyer though I am very familiar with, with God's word. A lawyer during this time and during, in this context was somebody who was an expert in God's law, not just like the, because at this time in Israel, the law of God was the law of the land. They weren't like two different things. It wasn't like a law for church and a law for everybody else. The law of God was the law of the land. There was also a little bonus law that came in from Rome. So Rome comes in, takes over the area, and so you got Roman law, which is distinct from God's law, but this lawyer is an expert in God's law, what's written in the law of God. And, and, and as a result, the expert in God's law is seeking to test Jesus. That seems like a terrible idea. Like, I don't know, when I think about like, ah, oh, what should I do today? Test God. Not a great idea. Test Jesus also. Just, uh, I don't know. That's just not on, my, um, not on my radar of great ideas of things to do. I have a lot of ideas. Not all of them good. That one, not a good idea. And so as this guy is seeking to test Jesus, the, the idea is that he's trying to trap him. You see, the, the, the religious leaders of the day were trying to trap Jesus into saying something that was against God's law. And so he says, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Already, he kind of tips his hat a little bit about the fact that he is very focused on doing the law. So what do I got to do? If I'm going to get eternal life, what do I have to do? interesting. I had a conversation this past week while, while I was in Mexico um, with somebody who asked me almost the exact same question. He's an he's accomplished guy. He um, was more financially advanced than most people his age. He's, um, he, he, he told me outright, he said, hey, you know, been going to church since I was a kid. Uh, I believe in God. Uh, what, you know, I just, I, what do I have to do to be really saved? I said, like, really saved? And he's like, really saved. I don't always feel saved, but I, what do I have to do to be, like, really saved? And, I, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about this text, and I'm like, wow. It's like the exact same deal. And so I shared with him the exact same story. And he walked away pondering. So the lawyer's there, and he's, you know, he's, you know, and Jesus asks him, well, you know, you know, how do you read the law? 
And he gives the absolute perfect answer. This is the Sunday school answer for, uh, for Jews even to today. The, you know, well, it's not Sunday school for Jews. It would be the, you know, like the Sabbath answer. You know, it would be the, the temple answer or something along those lines. You know, and so, you know, but, you know, for, for Jews today as well as Jews back then, you know, when, when, when they got together, um, this would be the Sunday school answer. What does God want from me? What does God want from my life? Love the Lord your God with every aspect of your being. All your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, every part of who you are. Love the Lord your God. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, great answer. Do this and you'll live. Now, the lawyer then seeks to justify himself. But when I hear those words from Jesus, do this and you'll live, I have to confess, I'm a failure. Do this? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart? No, my heart is going in all sorts of different directions. Love the Lord your God with all of your mind. I assure you, not all of my thoughts are godly. I had some ungodly thoughts just today. And it's only, it's not even 11 o'clock yet. Love the Lord my God with all of my strength, as in with all of my physical aspect of my being. No, I do some ungodly things. Love the Lord my God with all of my mouth? No, I say some ungodly things. Most of which is in my car, thankfully, while I'm driving by myself. Not all of them. But if we hear this law that says, love the Lord your God with every aspect of your being, I cannot answer with this lawyer and say, oh yeah, got it. Got it. Did that. What else is there? And then love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, I know I don't do that. I keep more for myself than I do even for my closest neighbors. Who's my closest neighbors? My family is my closest neighbors, right? I mean, I, even when, when the kids were young, one of their favorite places to go was uh, to uh, Cold Stone, you know, for some ice cream. I love ice cream. My family loves ice cream. We go to Cold Stone, and, um, and, and everybody gets to order, and I get to go last because I get to pay, right? And so, you know, everybody gets to order, and, you know, and, 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 and Heidi is far more concerned about our budget than I am, and so she'd say, okay, everybody orders a like it. You know, and Doug's like, no, 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 I can eat a big one. No, 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 everybody orders a like it. Like it is a nice, you know, respectable size. She's not saying everybody has to order like the kitty, kitty cup, you know. It's a nice size, and so everybody orders a like it, and then I order last, and I say, no, 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 I got the got to have it. <laughs> the largest size there. That's right, it takes like three people just to build my ice cream. You know, as they're putting it together and, you know, like shoveling it all and mounting it on top of this giant cup, and, you know, and they're looking at me like, oh, those kids just got like it and you got to have it. 
I said, yes, because I'm the dad. And then all of a sudden I think to myself, love your neighbor as yourself. I don't even love my children the way I love myself. I got to have it. They get to like it. I got to have it. I get the big ice cream. They get just like these little ice creams. That's cute. That's good for you. What I love myself with is the biggest ice cream that I could shove in my face. If I can't even love my children the way I love myself, how can I love the rest of my neighbors like I love myself? The man is seeking to justify himself. This is the second part where I feel like there's a really big warning for this dude. The first part was he decides to put Jesus to the test. Not a good idea. The second part was he goes to Jesus to try to justify himself. Jesus has already said that you know, no one can be justified or made right or, or, you know, except through him. But instead... This guy, he wants to do it all himself. Well, if you want to do it all yourself, you try to justify yourself and make yourself right in your own eyes. We see this sentiment all over the place. We see the sentiment of self-justification in, in both people who are really live their own life and in people who really try to leave, lead good lives. You see, both extremes try to justify themselves. If I ask the average person, how do you get to heaven? The average person who is living for themselves will say, I just need to be a little bit better than I am bad. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, if I have 51% good acts and 49% bad acts, then I get in. And I'm like, that is not in the Bible, bro. But if you ask somebody who is really religious, oftentimes they too will say, oh, you got to be good. Yeah, you got you to gotta obey the Ten Commandments. You got to go to church every Sunday. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. You got to do that. Basically, what they're saying is you got to have like 90% good and maybe 10% not so good and you'll get in. That's what this lawyer is trying to get at justifying himself, making himself righteous and good enough for heaven. But um, Jesus tells him a story. It's kind of like a long joke. You ever hear one of those jokes about like a, you know, a, a priest, a pastor, and a rabbi walk into a bar? I think they all got it right from this text. I'm serious. You, you, you hear this story, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, so all these guys are going to a bar somewhere. So they're going down the road. You've got a guy going down the road, and, and everybody knows this road. This road from Jerusalem, which is way up high, down to Jericho, which is down in the valley, is a dangerous road. The safest way to travel this road, it was often called the Bloody Path. If your road gets a nickname, the Bloody Path, it's in the wrong neighborhood. I don't know if you've grown up in neighborhoods where they had, like, a wrong neighborhood. We've lived in areas where there was... Wrong neighborhoods, like, dude, don't go there. What are you doing here after dark kind of things, you know? And this is that road, the bloody path. What a great 
Nobody's going to name that for like their development. They're going to be building some houses over here. You think we're going to see a street over in the new development that says, oh, that's the bloody path. <laughs> no, that's a terrible name for a road. But it gets a name because it's dangerous. People got attacked there. And so when Jesus is telling this story about people traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho on the, on the road, they knew which road it was. Oh, oh that road. That's a bad idea. They know right away what's going to happen to this dude. Traveling by himself, oh, that's an even worse idea. Thieves attack him. They steal everything. And they beat him until he's half dead. And they leave him there to die. Then the joke part comes. You see, because a priest really is a Levite. And so it would be like saying... You know, a priest and a pastor, or maybe like a pastor and the youth guy will go walking down the road. You know, the pastor goes walking by, sees the guy, you know, head dead, you know, half dead. It does say in the text that he sees him. We, we can't make any excuses for this pastor. We can't say, well, you know, maybe he was just really busy. Maybe he was going to visit orphans or like a hospital or something. He could have been on like, a, you know, a really like a mission of mercy or something like that. Why do we have to? Why does he have to stop and help the half dead guy? We all know. Pastors are like supposed to be nice. They're supposed to help people. That's like their job. The priest sees him, goes way around on the other side, and keeps on going. The Levite, so that'd be like the youth guy. Thanks, Eric. He comes along, he sees him, and he's like, no, way on the other side he goes. But then a Samaritan's coming. It's interesting that Jesus uses a, the character of a Samaritan. You see, just earlier in Luke, um, you know, uh, I think, I think um, Eric was talking a little bit about it when, when Jesus set his face to go to, towards Jerusalem. He wanted to go through Samaria, and a town of Samaritans said, no, 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 you can't stay here. You know, and then James and John want to call, call down fire from heaven and nuke the town. You know, and Jesus is like, no, no nuking towns in the name of Jesus. That's not cool. But even these very people who would not host Jesus on his way to the cross to die for the sins of humanity, he uses them as the main character in his story. A matter of fact, it's Jesus' character. When we read about the Good Samaritan, when we hear how he treats people, that's Jesus in the story. Jesus casts himself. I mean, if I was going to cast myself in a movie, think about who you'd cast your, who you would cast, you know, in a movie, you know, for yourself. Somebody is like. Tall, dark, and handsome, or something like that. I don't know. You pick a good actor, somebody who you think, oh, they can play me really well, better than myself, even. But when Jesus casts his character, he chooses a character that everybody hates. And so he chooses a Samaritan. 
Samaritan comes along, and the Samaritan is probably traveling from the opposite direction, because that's the way to come to Jerusalem from Samaria, you know, is to come up to Jerusalem. Samaritan, when he sees the half-dead guy, stop. The priest and the pastor, they moved away. The Samaritan moves toward. And he, he loves him. Right there on the side of the road, triage, binding his wounds, pouring out oil and wine to, to clean him up and try, and try and save his life. He places, he does everything for this guy. He places him on his own donkey. I don't even like people like letting people drive my car while I'm in the car because my seat is the most comfortable one. But he places him on his own donkey. Takes him to an inn where he cares for him. He does everything that the wounded man needs. And he pays for it all himself. Then he goes to the innkeeper and he says, and he gives him two more days worth of wages and says, hey, whatever else he needs, you keep a tab and I will pay for all of it when I come back for him. All these little echoes of Jesus in this good Samaritan. And then that question at the end. As Jesus looks at the lawyer and asks, who do you think was a neighbor to him? I, I wonder if the, if the lawyer couldn't even say the word Samaritan if, he, if in an effort to just say, the one who showed him mercy. Which one is it? The priest, the pastor, or the Samaritan? The one who showed him mercy. There you go. What about us? We would be remiss if we, if we thought that that the response to this text is, is, is limited to just people who are dying on the side of the road, okay? Granted, we're moving at a much faster pace. Your donkeys move so much faster than the Samaritan's donkey, you know? I mean, you're on the highway, you're going 70 miles an hour. 75? Not 80. No. Okay, 65 miles an hour. 60 just to be safe? Okay. It's really hard to see people who are dying on the side of the road when you're going 70 miles an hour. But that's not just true while we're on the road. You see, our life is really busy. And we're going super, super fast. But sometimes it is really easy <laughs> to not see the people around us, the people who are hurting, the people who are dying in their sin. You see, because that wounded person, the guy left for dead on the side of the road, that's you and me. 
That's us. Crushed by sin. The Samaritan, that's Jesus. And he has done everything we need to save our lives and give us new life. And he's coming back for us too. And then at the end, after the lawyer answers correctly, the one who showed him mercy, that's the loving neighbor. Jesus says, go and do likewise. We have a wonderful opportunity within our current context to love our neighbors right now. Part of loving our neighbors might be, you know, binding up their wounds and talking to them about fear and anxiety in the wake of the coronavirus and reminding them that God is with them every step of the way. And that for followers of Jesus Christ, we do not have a spirit of fear, but we have a spirit of power, love, and self-control. It's a wonderful opportunity to bring peace to our neighbors' homes just by loving them and giving them mercy. And even for those who, who don't want to leave their homes and want to quarantine themselves, there are opportunities for us to love our neighbors by just doing simple things like stopping by the drugstore and bringing them prescriptions, by stopping to buy the, the grocery store, you know, and, and arm wrestling a pack of toilet paper out of some poor person's you know, hands, you know, and, and, you know, potentially, you know, go everywhere we go, just sharing our own hand sanitizer. Or potentially part of loving our neighbor might just be washing our hands. but not out of fear. Not out of fear that we could catch something, but out of love and mercy and concern. We get to go and, and, and do likewise, to be little Christ, just as Christ has been to us, to proclaim grace and forgiveness, to proclaim peace in an environment of anxiety. This is an opportunity for the church, for our church. And um, we want to kind of band together at this time. So if you find out that somebody needs something or you yourself need something, please don't hesitate. Shoot us a call or an email or text message or whatever. Uh, let us know. If you've got a neighbor who needs, you know, you know, who needs some groceries, if you've got somebody in your community who you need some support, maybe somebody just plain needs a nice warm meal to lift up their spirits and encourage them. We, followers of Jesus Christ, the church, are here to love our neighbors. And I'm excited about it. And I hope you are too. I really am. This is an opportunity. And sometimes when, when, you're, when you're helping out and, and, and you're just dropping off some groceries or some toilet paper, you might get the question, why did you do that? That's the opportunity for you to share the gospel. Because what moves us to love others is not our own love, but God's love for us. That he gives us to love others with. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you and praise you. You are awesome. That even when we are dead in our trespasses and sin, even when we are left for dead on the side of the road and we can do nothing to save ourselves, you love us. You forgive us. You bind our wounds. You care for us. 
and you pay for everything and you give us new life and a promise that you're coming back for us. Lord, give us, pour out your Holy Spirit, Lord. Pour out your Holy Spirit into your church to give us courage and boldness to speak your message even in the atmosphere of fear and anxiety. Even in the midst of this crisis, Lord, empower your church with the words of the gospel and loving actions. Help us to love our neighbors the way you love us. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus, our Savior. Amen.